Hey, it's the hologram of Tim Duncan. My responses are limited. You must ask the right questions. Are we reviewing iRobot because we wanted to do two back-to-back Shia LaBeouf movies? That, detective, is the right question. Welcome, guys, back to the Fandom Done Right podcast. It's more specifically, uh, the Spencer and Tim Tackle Show. It's me, Spencer, and Tim. We're back. Oh, hey, guys. This is real Tim now. A hologram Tim is, I put him away. I put him back in my Ziploc baggie from 2036. Because <laughs> <laughs> they still use those. And we're here to talk about a, a very... Kind of, it, it might be out. Of, it sounds out of left field for us, but then I didn't realize how close we'd be end up recording it to Kingdom of Crystal Skull. So it does feel like we're doing just Shia LaBeouf flicks at this point. <laughs> Next up, Transformers. <laughs> but I would say, if anything, we're doing, we're just revisiting Tim and I's favorite thing, which is a movie that's set in the future with. Uh, a character that has one human ha- hand or limb and one robot hand or limb. And we're trying to make sure if it's consistent throughout the movie. <laughs> Good news. I think it is. Would you say, Tim? I don't know. I was trying to look for it, but. Uh, so I noticed that in the very beginning of the movie that they had the, he was working out his, his one arm more than the other. And so I think he was like just recovering from surgery and stuff. And so still trying to in therapy and stuff. So I think that was a nice little ad, like a foreshadow. I don't think I had noticed that the last times I had watched this movie. It's very true. So we're talking about the 2004's iRobot. We're bouncing away from doing like four or five episodes, like a rewatch series where Kind of going back to, I guess, what Tim and I like to do, which is just, we try to do one thing at a time, maybe maybe two episodes over one thing. I guess what we're trying to do is, for the rest of this fall, we're trying to go for, like, our favorite, I guess it's, like, our favorite movies growing up, or, like, our favorite movies that we watched with our dads growing up. So it's kind of like dad movies, uh, but also just movies that we love that we wanted to revisit. But I realized that all of them are from the, like, 1997 to 2008 region. Because that's when we were young. (laughs) That's when we were young. We're still young. But that was, like, very young. And I'm really excited to revisit all of these. I won't tell you, listener, what they are. You're going to have to find out one at a time. But it all kind of bounced out of, like, randomly, Tim and I were just like, I was like, dude, we should rewatch iRobot. It's awesome. And Tim, you're like, heck yeah. It's such a good movie. <laughs> it's a really good movie with a couple of not fun moments. That's how I feel about it, especially on this time. Yeah. But I, I think I have rose-colored lenses. Like, even in the movie, I was kind of like, ooh. But then, like, after, I still look at back at it with rose-colored lenses. It's kind of like Tron Legacy in that regard. <laughs> so, I don't know. 
for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, you might not want to listen to this whole thing because there's going to be some, I think we're just going to bounce in the spoilers once we get into the story. But the idea of it is it's 2036, or at least it's a uh, 2004's version of 2036. <laughs> and which is very true because the self, there's no smartphones or anything. And robots are kind of everywhere. Like it's just a part of society for like humanoid robots to live with humans and serve them and stuff like that. Will Smith hates robots because he's he's a robot robophobic police officer. And then like he investigates a robot for murder and the movie just kind of goes from there. But most of the story is built on the three laws of robotics. And by movie, I mean the book as well. We're going to get into it later. There is a book or sort of. But Tim, would you like <laughs> to go over the three laws? Yeah. So the first law is uh, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Uh, and then the second law is a robot must obey orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. The third law a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And so the ultimately the first law is first. Um, all robots obey that. And then the second law, uh, as long as it doesn't conflict with the first. And then the third, as long as it doesn't conflict with the first or second. The, the, I would say they're pretty good laws. Yeah, the, the core foundation of it is robots protect humans and they i mean the books are really serious on the three laws like that's kind of how the plot is almost built but the movie doesn't shy away like i didn't even remember tim but like the intro is like first law of robot <laughs> yeah and I was, I was it's a little on the nose i i kind of i thought it was pretty good because that's kind of the I mean, it's the foundation of the world they lived in at that time and everything centered around those three laws. Yeah. And then, and the sequence that it's referring to does come into a lot of play later in the movie. Yeah. So I think there's some great writing there. Tim, this is, I don't know if it's a hot take, but if this movie did not have Will Smith, would you say it'd still be good? I think it would depend on the actor. What if you like took out, like what do you, what if we if we like took out the character basically? I don't know. I, I think it's a f great character, a and without him, the movie is a good story. But I don't know if it would be as good because I don't think this movie intentionally did it, but it's a two thousands Will Smith flick. Yes. And that's not a bad thing at all. No. That's a pretty much the only reason that I think I ever saw this movie in the first place. But it does feel that like it kind of I feel like the movie changes at least somewhat just because it's a Will Smith action flick. Yeah. From the 2000s. <laughs> but he's in his prime, man. And I already wrote it down in my notes here, but it's a 2000s Will Smith action flick. So we have to see he has great taste in music. He's freaking yoked. We have to see him shower. <laughs> and he wears huge, weird leather cloaks. Oh, wait. Nope. That's just this movie. 
Okay, but also, the regular police guards that were escorting Sonny were wearing leather underneath their armor. <laughs> like, this movie just decided to add leather in a lot of weird places. In a world that probably doesn't even have leather. Yeah. At least, not normal leather. <laughs> what did you think of the Converse All-Stars? Do you think that was good? or? Uh, so, this movie came out in 2004, and he said that those shoes were 2004 All-Stars. Um, so I think that was pretty funny. But I think it was a fun little... I mean, he, he had the radio and music and stuff from years past so i i think him being like one of those types of people who likes the old stuff i think it was a fun little add to make the character unique in this type of story yeah i what's weird about it though is it doesn't add up right because honestly if it's 2036 or 2034 i can't remember that would mean that will smith's character was born in like 2005 right uh yeah, around that time, yeah. Would he just collect things from the year before he was born? But I kind of, it kind of cracks me up still anyway, because it's like the whole movie is this futuristic green screen world. And then you take all the scenes in his apartment are just, they just found an apartment, <laughs> a typical 2004 apartment. And I kind of love it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the animation was not as good as I remember, but it is so high quality for 2004. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, there wasn't anything good. that like I just saw and I was like, oh, I hate that. Um, there were times there were times I saw something and I was like, well, but it, it was very enjoyable. I think the NS5s are just a little. There's just that soft CGI film that they hadn't figured out how to remove, you know? Yeah. I don't know a way, better way to describe it, but you can kind of just, it just has that s sort of feeling of fakeness, kind of like all of the action scenes of Spider-Man 3 have it. But it's still really good. Like, still probably better than, than Spider-Man 3, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, yeah, going through the story, we got to start with, he hates, he hates robots. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's in the movie. That's all I'm going to say about that. And he gets a phone call for from a hologram of <laughs> Dr. Alfred Lanning. A phone call from the a head hologram. Of the, a phone call from a hologram. That's what he said. This is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets a call. He shows up. And you see... The hologram and it looks like the dude's just standing there in front of usr which is united states robotics i guess we just have james cromwell doing an awesome role that probably only did for like two days but it was really good like he's really perfect for this role yeah i mean like you said it's a small part but it's it's so good and i mean i don't know if he had any part in writing his lines or anything like that but his lines are are, it's a very fun way of creating a character. And of course, he has the questions. My responses are limited. You must ask the right questions. Yeah, it's it's like they created like the entire technology through his responses. 
it's like you can tell that oh that's how an, a hologram works in that time is just based on the his pre-programmed responses it's just a fun way of showing the technology absolutely it's very cool and of course the hologram is right in front of his corpse because he's they they all say it's suicide but it's like why would he have a hologram with pre-programmed responses yeah i don't think he's like crazy for doing something like that it kind of speaks to me at least that it at least should be investigated and i know they don't want like a detective going around their business on a big week or something but all the same yeah uh, i think it was just the company was trying to push through it all and the police didn't want to be involved in the first robot killing and it's an interesting factor to play into it too is that just the political uh, like recompense that comes in for a robot killing a human and how they just don't want to be the first people involved in that kind of mess something that i loved about that scene is the giant statue really yeah. random super great underrated and i think i only saw it twice in the whole movie yeah i think it was huge but it was there i think it was like 12 stories tall what did you think of the cars and the driving the i don't understand how the cars move but i really like them and the garage system me and my parents just recently watched minority report which is based in 2054 uh like 20 years in the future of this movie but i think the cars and all the roads and stuff work so much better in this movie than that movie. I wonder if you had switched Will Smith and Tom Cruise, what it would have been like. <laughs> in iRobot and Iron Minority Report. <laughs> that would be wild. Because this movie is just a lot of Will Smith yelling at robots. And he's good. He's good at that kind of thing. But it is a lot of just, come on! which is fine i like i just love his like ignorance like we've said like he's i already wrote it down but he's like i'm driving by hand because <laughs> they're going like hundreds of miles an hour and he's just insisting on driving by hand and like the the, the lieutenant guy gets on his case he's like i heard you were driving manually <laughs> like it's just uh it's a this is a weird world they've created because yeah. the book doesn't even take place in this world or anything. Like, they didn't have any world building to go off of. And yep. they just kind of made it all from scratch. And so it's interesting the choices they made driving-wise, but other ones as well, which I'll, I'll come back to. It just... I like the scenes with Sonny. And when they find Sonny and, and they look for... like And they bring him back to the station. And Spooner, which is Will Smith's character, asks for the five minutes with him. Like, that's all really, really good stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like these, I feel like it's one of those movies that three sentences would have concluded. You know, Spooner could have been better about talking about like, well, you know, I don't, I know you don't, I know you want to say this is suicide, but just the fact that he reached out to me via hologram, even if he's crazy, I want to establish that um, just for the sake of figuring everything out. And if you'd be cooperative with me, I'd appreciate it and I'll stay out of your way. Oh, great. Thanks. But no, that's not what happened at all. It was like, you want a dead guy on your porch? I'm going to, that'll, you know, big week. Uh, I hate your robots. Here's this pitch I had. 
It's like what? When he was talking to uh, Greenwood, he was trying. He was really a a, a, a dick. Like it was yeah, crazy. he's a huge douchebag. Like the whole time. And I, I know he hates robots, but it's like it's over the top, even for his character. I feel like. Yeah. And I get it. Greenwood's character is also a prick, like super annoying. But it's like at, at, at the in the forefront, it shouldn't have been like. I'm going to be mean to you and then you're going to be mean back. And then we'll, I'll be like, Oh, this guy's mean. Like <laughs> it's not how humans speak, but yeah, when they're trying to come and they're so mad about Sonny and he's got all his lawyers with him or whatever. It's one of those things where Spooner should have just talked to everyone in the room about what he's already learned from landing, experimenting on Sonny. But then again, I guess he thinks that, Greenwood, the president guy, is the suspect. Yeah. When so he's, maybe he wouldn't want to reveal that information. When in actuality, Greenwood it is not a bad guy. I, I got, He's a bad guy, but he's not the bad guy. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I'm still not really sure if he was the one who ordered the robot deployment vehicles to kill Spooner. I don't think that was him because they had the uplink. Well, I guess that doesn't matter, but I think it was Vicky the whole time. I guess the uplink is true. Maybe not, but I would say it probably is because, you know, Bruce Greenwood, which we've forgotten what his character is entirely, but he's a CEO guy. Um, This is the actor's name. His character is just all... It's all money all the time. Yeah. He's a, I mean, I don't want to get political here, but he's the Jeff Bezos of this universe. And so I wouldn't say that he would just send thousands of robots after Spooner like that because it'd be costly. He acted surprised uh, when Spooner came back to his office and he was like, this man is mentally stable, thinking robots are after him everywhere he goes. And so he, he actually seemed surprised there. So I don't think he would have ordered it. I think you're right. Yes, I think that's true. did it. I really liked the, the part where he investigates the house and the demolition. But just take a picture. He needs to be taking pictures of everything because no one's going to believe him otherwise. Yeah, I think I think pictures in the office would make sense, but I don't think pictures in the at the destruction appointment thing would make sense. It wouldn't make sense for him to take it, but it's like it's annoying. Yeah. Or like when they're attacking his car, picture, 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 yeah. picture, <laughs> picture. Well, but <laughs> this is them strangling me. <laughs> but do they have phones in this time period? No. They don't. <laughs> I guess they have some kind of cell phones, but they don't, you don't really see them that much. They're like, but they're just like 2004 phones, basically. Yeah. With maybe a different finish. I don't know. But I thought the the demolition stuff was cool. Effects was really well done. I really love the scene afterwards where he goes to Calvin, Dr. Calvin's apartment. Yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I just like it how uh, Spooner just doesn't care in that scene uh she's like what happened to you and he, he just walks in and grabs a drink and sits he down and he's like, 
He says you mentioned that a house tried to kill him until later. Yeah, he's like, a cat did this to me. He's like, you think a cat did this to me? <laughs> and that's the first time. They use, they kind of reuse a lot of, like, Lanning's dialogue in different ways. And that's actually why I really love it. But that's the first time we hear him, like, talking about the, the ghosts in the machine. Random segments of code. Free yeah. will. The soul. Super cool stuff. And I think that is how they tie it back a lot to the the original like short story series that this movie was sort of based off of. It was inspired by. Yeah, I think inspired by is a good term. Because I wouldn't say it's a, it's definitely not a direct adaptation, but we'll get back into that later. Uh, what do you think of the car attack sequence since we've already mentioned it? I think he's very lucky. I think he should have died. Yeah. Although it's funny because he says, there's no way my luck is that bad. Yeah. I didn't like it as much this time. I think as a kid, I thought that was the, the coolest thing in the universe. But now I'm like, I don't know. It was a lot of. I still enjoyed and... it, but it was just. Yeah. You just had to suspend your sense of belief for a little bit. Yeah, but absolutely. We got a really cool look at the vehicle's wheels. Um, this is a weird yes. thing for me to look at, but it, they were a big old ball, and then a bunch we've of seen little this, balls. It's okay, we've seen this movie that. a bunch of times each. It's time <laughs> to look at the little stuff. <laughs> but the wheel was just this big old ball with little balls inside of it, and so they just—I guess—they just all rotate at the same time. And but then the vehicle can also turn sideways and still go, and so the balls just change direction of rolling i don't know how that works but interesting idea movie maker people you did good and we can't call this show the little stuff but if we could we would (laughs) because i feel like a lot of times this show is just this was weird right this was this little thing was weird yeah but yeah I, i kind of feel like Again, maybe it's just because he's still experiencing trauma from his recent experiences with robots, but he just yells a bunch and doesn't get... They think he's crazy for good reason. I think the so the, just a little the thing in this scene that I had the most trouble believing... Um, so he was attacked by a robot, right? And um, then the police started coming, and this robot just ran and dove into the fire. Uh, and at this time, the, the other robots were cleaning up the big robot's messes. But are, are we supposed to believe that this robot just got incinerated by that fire? Or did he just keep running? Because there's no way I that amount of fire... I think we're supposed to believe... Him. Yeah, because NS5s are pretty durable as they establish before and later. Yeah. Yeah, I would say we're supposed to believe that it was destroyed in that fire it dove into. But the other thing is the all of the like way before the police showed up, right after it ended, all of the robots came and cleaned up the road. So Vicky was like covering up for their own messes already. Yeah, that was so it's possible that. that it already scooped all that up too. Yeah, it's really cool and. I feel like dumb 
the first time seeing it, not thinking it was Vicky. Yeah. Because it's too convenient. But <laughs> it's like, I just remembered the president's name is Robertson. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's talk about a different character, Dr. Susan Calvin. What'd you think of Dr. Calvin? Ugh. I, I, at the beginning, I didn't like her, but she grew on me. She, she was yeah, just so She's like the most grew-on-me characters ever. <laughs> I think Bridget Monaghan is just perfect for this role because she can do that. Yeah. Like, and she can be the blank, no-emotion, straight-faced person, and then she can still blend into a dynamic character. You know, it's interesting. Her, her job is making the robots more human-like. But her character is more robotic-like. Hmm. Maybe she's the robot all along. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think of like really introverted people. I don't think she's robotic as much as just not social, and he's a stranger. Okay, that, talking that, about his. That's a good rationalization of it. And and a bunch of, you know, like imagine you're really not really a people person and you have to show around this detective guy that is known for hating literally what you do, like working with robots, like he hates robots. And he's like, you don't know my ex-wife, do you? You sound like my (laughs) ex-wife. Like, it's funny for us, the audience, but yeah, I don't. That's true. I think it's at least justifiable. Yeah. That whether it was on purpose or not is is to be TBD. But and her character is mentioned a lot in the short stories, books, stories, oh yeah, inspiration, whatever. So whatever she's kind of a tie-in. And and Lanning, yeah. And Lanning a little bit, but yeah, she's just she's great. I think one of her best lines is, she does a lot of exposition, but it's. It's well done, but she talks about how Sonny has the three laws, but he can choose not to obey them. Yeah. Like that's uh that's a huge crucible on this on the rest of the movie, and like Sonny is really awesome. We'll talk about Sonny in a second. But like Dr. Calvin is the the person that shows a lot of that. And I think it's just really good. And I love how she just kind of jumps into the action when she's not like she's a dumb damsel in the stress a couple times, but he hands her the pistol and she's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just, like, go just Dr. The big gun. She's not good with the big gun. Yeah. Not at all. I thought it was great. I thought she was awesome with the pistol. Why does Dr. Calvin want to play the stereo? <laughs> <laughs> That's so what random. I do when I walk in a random person's house. I just hit their music. Turn on the stereo. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, it was just a, Comedy for comedy's sake. Yes. I think we can't talk about the movie without talking about the reason Will Smith's character is the way that he is and the story that he tells. I think it's one of the, honestly, one of the best flashback sequences I've seen. Oh, yeah. With character narration and everything. Like, it, it they do it so well. And the, I couldn't even find the score. But the music was good. And... I think it's just Will Smith's acting, honestly. He's just, uh, he's amazing. And, and I mentioned this to you earlier this week, but uh, in the books, there's a 
another law called the zeroth law and it basically states that robots should choose to save when when they have a choice they should save more of humanity rather than just one single human or something like that and so in this scenario when he is saved in the flashback the robot does a calculation to figure out who has more chance of survival and he has the more chance of survival so he's saved and but that the movie shows that that's the huge difference between humans and robots like they have that emotional part they can choose to save uh, children even though they have less chance of survival and then that zeroth law also comes into play with vicky choosing to save all of humanity rather than just humans so it's it's something that the movie didn't really point out as one of the laws but it still took inspiration from the books uh and i think it's explained in both of those stories they really just kind of rolled it into the other three laws yeah you know like it became i feel like they just kind of made that an extension and i actually really like for one actually i really love the ns4 robots like i think they're super cool like i would really love to have an ns4 robot oh yeah yeah they're cool the ns5s are like creepy the ns5s are like creepy but the NSR4 robots are like kind and they do all the stuff without being too human like, you know? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think know if I would want Sonny. I, I love the fact that it, yeah, Sonny creeps me out. Like, he's <laughs> like, awesome. I love Sonny. And he, he's great at the end. <laughs> he, Dude, Alan Tudyk. He's great. He's so great. Alan Tudyk is awesome. He's everywhere. Anyway, he's like, Alan Tudyk is like, for all of you that don't know, he, I can't even name all the things he does, but he's definitely the motion capture person that, if not beats Andy Serkis, is the closest thing. Hmm. That's a hot a ton take. of motion capture, <laughs> voice acting. Yeah. I don't know. Andy Serkis is the pinnacle, right? Like, you can't, it can't be beat, I would probably say. Yeah. But Alan Tudyk is really good. And he does, he does Sunny and does motion capture and all of that. But yeah, I wouldn't. <clears throat> the NS5s are kind of creepy. They're too. They're too human like. You know, and like I was thinking about it too. I was like, if this was our world, I'm like, all these NS5s, all these robots would be wearing like sweaters and cardigans, <laughs> like, like people dress their dogs. Like people would definitely put clothes on a robot. <laughs> just be like, I'm not comfortable with you just naked there. Just <laughs> especially NS5s. I'm like I'm putting a shirt on you. You're going to like it. <laughs> I don't know. That's very random. But <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was, they could have, you know, they could have made the NS5s come out earlier or something like that, but they chose not to. And the NS4 is the one that saved Will Smith. And it's kind of the only, it's like the last good robot, at least for a while. And so I liked all of that and how the whole scene played out. I also like it that for once, uh, I, I think this was a big point for Spooner because he hates robots, but here he is being saved by robots. It's true. Then it's four save him twice. Yeah. 
And then Sunny saves him again. Sunny is is a really cool development, and it's only for the movie, really. But he's just developed by Lanning to be. I, I feel like he's almost an extent. He's very much an extension of Lanning. Hmm. Yeah. Where like Lanning had to die. He had to die to save humanity, right? He had to die to make the plot move forward so Spooner would investigate and find Vicky, hopefully. But he also designed Sonny to not only kill him, but to make Will Smith more like engaged in the, the process. And then he also made him a certain way so that he could fight the robots and help. I don't know. It, like It all worked out super well. Yeah. I Laning and like the dreams and stuff like that. Laning planned it all so well. Like he he gave Sonny the extra durable skin stuff, um, so that he could go yeah. and get the nano bite robot things to kill Nanites. Uh, yeah, Nanites, whatever. Uh, and and the the visions, the dreams, and then the able to obey the three laws but also not like landing planned out sunny so well sunny's dream is probably my favorite like the part where he explains the dream actually stood out to me a lot he he shows us that a uh, will smith's character is wrong a robot can create a canvas <laughs> but also either sunny or landing was wrong but maybe landing knew better but it's totally Sonny standing on the hillstop freeing his kind, which we see at the end of the movie, and not Will Smith. Um, uh, but we we, yeah, because he says in the scene, he's like, "I believe it to be you." It's a cool. It's just a cool payoff. It's really good. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, uh, Spooner was there too, but. That's when the robots were still in the storage boxes and in the drawing, they were out looking at the leader. Yeah, he went down there to follow the breadcrumb and then get the next clue. I'm I That moves straight into the going back to Greenwood's office. It's Robertson, but we're going to keep calling him Greenwood because that's the actor's <laughs> name. Where, where Will Smith says, I'm sorry, I'm allergic to bull crap. That's not what he says in the movie, but we're a friendly podcast, guys. It's so good. I just I don't really know if anyone like noticed, that was character. The... He's great. He's so good. He drinks so much sugar. I'm worried about his health. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, the um, I don't know if anyone noticed this. I've been doing little hints on every post for a new Spencer and Tim tackle, and I leave like hints in emojis for the next one. And that's what I did for this one, Tim. Because <laughs> I was like, if I do I robot, it's going to be very obvious. But I did yeah. like <laughs> the whole thing. It was really funny. I used a, I got, and I wanted to use a poop emoji, just being honest. <laughs> but this payoff was so well executed. It's not just Will Smith's acting, which is a huge part of it. But like Bruce Greenwood's character has been a prick for half, two thirds in the movie. And so this is like, Right here's the moment, and they ex they just did it well. <laughs> Why did Sonny have to walk somewhere else to be decommissioned? 
Maybe it's set design or CGI or green screen, but I'm pretty sure the two rooms were exactly the same. I mean, I felt like... And he was escorted by other robots. I think Sonny was told that he was being decommissioned halfway through the movie, and then he wasn't actually being decommissioned until the end of the movie. It took so long. Yes. And it was partly just to get the rest of the movie going, but... Well, and Calvin was putting it off, I think, too. Yeah. Like, I kind of like it, but I think it would have gone faster in real life. But it's a movie. Yeah, it's not real life. Immediately. What? <laughs> what? But yeah, it was, it was just, it cracked me up because it was like slow-mo walking, being escorted by robots. I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then we come back to uh, the NS4 storage unit sequence, which is my favorite part of the movie. Because he gets to have another talk with the hologram of Dr. Lanning, which I always love. And then we get another, we get the rehashing of the dialogue from his speech from the past where he's talking about the ghosts in the machine. And they illustrate it so well with all the NS4s and like how they behave and how they, you put them in a box, they don't stand alone, they group together and stuff like that. I honestly just, it's, it's sort of, it takes me back to Tron Legacy actually. I think maybe Tron Legacy <laughs> was influenced by this a little bit, just in the the programs or whatever. But I, I really see it as the writers taking great care with the source material and and putting it into play. Yeah. Like I'm I think sure the took, diehards would say that they ignored it, but I think they used it well. I think they took inspiration from several of the different short stories uh, because there's elements yeah. that that are clearly from uh, just the overall idea of it. But then there's some that are like, they, I think they truly read them and then took the inspiration from those and put it into this movie. Very good. It's very good stuff. But then, yeah, after that, it's pretty much just robot invasion, the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Which isn't bad, which isn't bad either. It's still good, but like, yeah, there's a lot of random stuff like, oh, Shia LaBeouf's back. I didn't need to see him again, but here he is. Because <laughs> his character really... is just no good. It's not him. It's just so annoying. I thought it was hilarious when uh, when the humans and robots were going to attack each other. And then you just see the camera from behind the humans. And humans were just flying left and right, left and right, because of the robots <laughs> just throwing them. <laughs> Who designed the robots with this much strength? It's not necessary. I guess the idea was like if someone, if a human got stuck under a car or something, a robot could save them. I just answered my own question. I'm amazing. Good job. Uh, The lieutenant guy, he freaking got the shotgun and was just blowing up (laughs) the windows. That was, I know he only lasted for a couple of seconds, but I was like, yeah. But he didn't die. Get him. <laughs> and he didn't die. Get him. I was so excited for those point point five seconds. <laughs> I'm sure you had fun with that too. You know, you got to, you have to have fun with these things. Like this actor is not like, I looked at his IMDb because he's been in a bunch of awesome stuff, but 
he's not like a crazy Bruce Willis type action star. Like that was his cool moment. I feel like that yeah. just has to be really fun to film. <laughs> like you're holding the big shotgun at your at your waist. When else are you going to do that in life? You know what I mean? <laughs> I would have had fun with that. Also, this and then the invasion the next, scene. Go ahead. The invasion scene was there were at the end of it. We see the uh, the cops uh, in a circle and stuff, and so I think the robots they still had the component component of the first law not to harm humans, but then they were still yeah. having uh, Vicky's overruling of it. And so I don't think they were out killing all the humans. I think there might have been some accidental deaths. But for the most part, they just wanted to control humans so humans will not kill themselves or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's um, like the, the robot in Calvin's apartment, which is why that was that that was what I when I realized that, oh, the NS5s are actually kind of creepy. But when he says, like, we want to harm as few humans as possible during this transition. That was kind of the key point for me when I realized that. But I, I love when he gets blown up because the second most iconic move, line of the movie from Will Smith again. He's like, you know, I told somehow I told you so. Just doesn't quite say it. It's such a good line. Because it's, it's finally you can't deny it anymore. It's very yeah. obvious. Yeah. Like and the, I'm pretty sure it, they just subtly hinted that all the military is robots. Uh, but I think it's just that there's like support robots in the military. Not that they're soldiers, but that they like maybe help with maintenance or something. And so then they're revolting against the humans. And so the humans just can't help anyone else. I think... You would think at this point in development, I guess. But I, if the robots are all built on the foundation of not harming a human being, yeah. then humans still have to harm humans for war. Yeah. It makes sense. The The top of USR looks like a piranha. Okay. I, That's all I, I have to say about that. I don't think I had recognized that, but I'm trying to think back in that. You might be right. I'm going to see if I can find the picture because it looks like it looks like a piranha. I don't know how else to describe it. Like it looks like a big fish and like the windows of his office are like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find this, but like the windows of his office on the outside look like the mouth. It very much looks like a, a fish. What if I just search piranha? I'm not going to find it. It's a bummer. I think I see what you mean. But there's that part where it kind of like, it does like that long draw all the way to the top and you kind of see it. But yeah, it was uh, just a, it's a, it's a, the top of the, there's like the part where they're trying to put the nanites in at the top and it's just a fun action sequence. That was really cool. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot about Sonny in the wink. That was Sonny's best moment. Second best moment. When he oh, uh, yeah. messes with that, Vicky. That scene is so good. 
I also love like, it. It that, got me where uh, he tried to fake kill Calvin. I love it that Calvin did not know what was going on. Like after yeah. that, she's like, I, "I, one of you is going to explain what just happened, right?" It pays off from the beginning where Sonny's like, "What does yeah. this mean?" It's a sign of trust. You wouldn't understand. Sonny talking with Vicky uh, before getting the nanites really reminded me of Vision versus Vision um, because it was like yeah they had this this great kind of just talk to to settle things and then it was followed by action but between the two robots it was just them talking and yeah i just thought of vision versus vision and wandavision yeah like she didn't want to have conflict uh and he's just like i see your logic but it just seems too heartless yeah and then it's like okay now we're bat now we're enemies again you know so there's a certain kind of, it's not like a, I don't know, the, the villain isn't like evil, evil. I did like that. Yeah. Yeah. Vicky but yeah, the, it had made me good really, intentions. Sonny getting the nanites was cool. When he threw the robot through the the cold ray or whatever, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, the fight on the top was cool. I mean, like I said, Dr. Calvin gets a lot of robots with the pistol and Will Smith it's just great. There's, it made me very dizzy, though. <laughs> I think it's because yes. we're coming off of the Matrix. And they were like, spinning shots everywhere. <laughs> That's the opportunity. And then, uh, oh, I love when, like, Sonny has to choose between applying the nanites and saving Calvin. And Will Smith, like, gives him, makes him make the choice. Like, that was just a, yeah, it's just a great part. And someone in the writer's room really thought you have so got to die was just, this is going to be, they're like, this is going to be the best line in the world. He shouldn't have said anything. He should have just done it. But that's like the worst part of the whole movie. <laughs> but like that but one it's, moment it's is the end of like, the movie. Like that's, it's got to have a good one liner. And that wasn't it. That's not but... a good one liner. No, it's not. It's the worst. Like what well, the second worst. I don't know if you've seen the movie Oblivion. It has oh. a similar thing. <laughs> it's just a step worse than this. Also, Tom Cruise. We're talking about Tom Cruise again. I'm going to use this <laughs> line in D&D. nothing to do with Tom Cruise. There's going to be a D&D session where I'm going to say, you have so got to die. Everyone's going to be like, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> uh, so brings us to the end. Uh, I noticed in the background, like Michigan still had water. <laughs> Random. Uh, why the Jets? No one knows. Uh, to show that the military survived. Maybe. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's true. That's that's actually it. Like the military is taking back, not taking back over, but to clean up. And uh, now it's just time for little random things from Spencer's segment before we talk about the trivia-ish, it's not trivia necessarily, but stuff. So the random things from Spencer's section, why is Lake Michigan dried up? What is the bridge? No one knows, but there's no bridge over Lake Michigan right now. So I was like, this looks like <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge, but it's not the Golden Gate Bridge. For whatever reason, Lake Michigan's dried up, but everyone still wears leather. 
<laughs> I guess it's got to be synthetic leather, right? I, I guess so. One of but the Lake Michigan, and it's not. It's sandy. Why is it sandy? <laughs> There's no way it'd be sandy. It's not the ocean. It's Chicago. One okay. of the parts I'm, I'm early in the movie. To say about it. One of the parts early in the movie that I was like, I don't think that's how that works. Uh, after Sonny and Spooner have their little gun showdown uh, in the in uh, Landing's office area, uh, and Sonny jumps out the window. The next scene is Spooner walking down the steps. And that was like at oh, yeah. least 20 stories. Probably more. And the elevators are not that fast. <laughs> no. And I I don't think it really would have solved anything to have him slower because he was still able to follow the blood. And like he didn't even run after Sonny. Um, he was just able to find him in other jobs. But I, I was just like, ah, ah. But I mean, at the same time, every movie does <laughs> the the steps and all that thing. Um, when it comes to tall buildings, there's always one guy who does it so much faster, and the other guy just appears there. Yeah, I I actually noticed that too. Where I was like, ah, why is he why is he back here so quick? How is he five steps behind the robot that just jumped out of the <laughs> middle part of this? tallest building in the world but it's okay i'll allow it oh there's also another get uh, so go ahead uh another thing that i thought of while i was watching this so robots aren't supposed to harm humans uh and so the idea is they can't commit crime there's still a lot of crimes that don't cause harm um like stealing um that's the main one I thought of. But those of. are like emotional harm. Well, I was thinking uh, a criminal could tell their robot to steal something. And because the robot would have to do it because their human said so. But, and that's not uh, against But it the conflicts other. with the first law in a different way. How so? So, it would still conflict with the idea of like, while it would not, he has to direct it, take a direct order from the, the be, human being, which is the third law, right? Yeah. But it cannot take it unless, if it comes in conflict with the first or second law. So if I tell my robot to go take my neighbor's purse, and it won't do it because it would be emotionally hurting or physically or fiscally hurting, harming the, my neighbor. Right. But what if, what if... So it would conflict with the first law, therefore it can't take my order. What if someone tells their robot to steal from, like, a bank or something when it's closed? No one's in there. I don't know. Maybe it has laws programmed into it, but I would say it still doesn't... still would conflict with the first law. Like, if it's helping a human being, and if it's hurting a human being in any way... Yeah, okay. who knows? Just a random thought I had as I was watching this, whilst I was watching this. It's fair. So for our trivia section this time, uh, I'm titling it "We, comma 
read stuff about the books. <laughs> yeah. We didn't really have time to read all the short stories, but it's supposed to be a pun on we, like we robot instead of I robot, but it didn't really work out. It's fine. Yeah. We humans. So we humans read stuff about <laughs> the books, but we didn't have time to read the books. But I robot is a series of short stories written by Isaac Asimov. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. At least before, it was somewhere in the 60s or 70s, I think. I believe the earliest one was in the 50s. And then there were yeah. some others yeah, exactly. in the 70s and 80s. That's great. Anyway, they're kind of like, I kind of feel like, I read the Cliff Notes, right? And not Cliff Notes specifically, just something online. And for mine, really what I feel like it's like, it's a Twilight Zone with robot for robots. Yeah, it's definitely an anthology. Uh, like, different stories set mostly in the same universe. But the, they, like, all use the same three laws. Or at least they're mentioned. Yeah. Like, that type of stuff is in there. And that's really how it moves the plot. Like, moves the robots into these circumstances. Yeah. Uh, but basically, all of the stories are being told from the from the year 2057 by Dr. Calvin. Like she's retiring at the age of 75. Her character is basically the same job. Uh, she's like a robotic psychologist. And she's telling a reporter about like stories about working with the robots. The I think in iRobot, the books, I think they're even more human than the movie. Yeah. But I think also... All of the the stories like show that the three laws are imperfect or have a flaw. Yeah, I would for sure. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to reveal all of them in case you want to kind of look at them or read about them or read them yourself. There's some really good ones here. I'll just kind of give uh, one good example. Uh, there's a few that actually takes place in space. And I really like uh, this one. They it's it's they're used in space exploration more than Earth at first. And she tells the story of the of Mike and Mike Donov Mike and Gregory who are astronauts on Mercury, and they're sending an advanced robot named Speedy out to retrieve some material to power their base. But the robot doesn't return, so they set out to find him. And they find, when they find him, they realize he's caught in a loop and he's like just running around like yelling gibberish because he's stuck between the second and third law of robotics. The second law states that the robot must only obey humans when it would, except when it would come in conflict with the first law. And the third law states that a robot must protect its own existence as long as its actions do not come, conflict with the first two laws. There is some unforeseen danger near the, the pool where he's getting the material, they realize. And so the robot is pushed away from the danger of going in to get the material by the third law. But he's also pushed toward the danger by the second law. They conclude that the only solution is for one of the astronauts to put himself in danger, allowing the first law to take precedence and to knock Speedy the robot out of his loop. This works, but nearly costs one, that astronaut his life when he's exposed to the radiation on Mercury. So that's just kind of a short description of one of the stories, but I think that's, I just, I 
they look really good. Like, I really want to read them now. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, hardcore fans of this series that were a bit mad about the movie, I think. But overall, like, I think it's kind of niche and to the point where there's not a lot of, like, you know, walk down the street and be like, have you read the iRobot short story series? Oh, I have. You know? But there's still cool stuff. Tim, I think the movie have just you heard has about... the... Go ahead. I think I just think the movie has a really good sense of the the heart and the uh, idea behind the books uh, with the I have to agree. and the robots and um, they even had Lanning and Calvin like it's it's definitely I mean how are you it's it's hard to create a movie based off of a short story but I think they created a movie I... based off of a short story anthology series. And I think they did it well. Like, it's basically just another anthology in the series. I really think, and maybe maybe it, maybe it wouldn't be a bounce-off of the movie, but I think this is ripe for a, a series. Like a oh, short yeah. series on HBO or something. Yeah, that I be think it could be really well done. And it could be done if they didn't go the movie route, like if they didn't tie it back in with the movie, which I think Will Smith and... Uh, Bridget Monahan, I think so. I think that's what I said her name. That's where it is. I think they both would come back if they wanted to bring it back. Like not all, you know, maybe like obviously Bridget Monahan would be the main character because she's Dr. Calvin. And I think Will Smith would be more like a guest role, but I think he'd do it. Yeah. Like if there was like yeah. an, ep- there'd be a good detective episode or something like that. Um, that would be really fun. Like they kind of could do adaptations of some of these stories, but then they could do new stories too. I think it'd be really good. But if they didn't go this route of tying it in with the movies, they could go like full like 70s sci-fi aesthetic. And I think it'd be really fun too. Yeah, I think that's a great idea as a series. I think, you'd, I th- I think it's right for a series. In, in 2036, they could Someone easily have space exploration. Yeah, yeah. And I think they could... But like because... They could do it the same way where she's telling the stories from the future. They could tell a story from 2050 because you know, Will Smith's older now. And yeah. they could tell a story from 2028. I don't know. It would be really fun. Tim, have you heard about the album iRobot? No. I, I was looking for the... I got to be honest. I was looking for the score. But there's an <laughs> album called iRobot iSpace Robot by the Alan Parsons Project, which is a, what are they called? Progressive rock, art rock, uh, British band from the 70s. It's is their second studio album, and they really liked Isaac Asimov's science fiction robot stories, <laughs> uh, exploring philosophical themes regarding artificial intelligence. And they intended it to be based on the series, but because and Asimov actually talked, they actually approached him and he's like, this is great. I love this idea. But the rights had already been granted to a TV movie company, which that tells me one, that it was must have been popular at one point and B, it must have been in developmental hell for a long time if the movie came out in 2004. Yeah. And someone had the rights in 70s. But so basically that's, he let them do it, but the way they got away with it was 
instead of I comma robot, they did I space robot. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna listen to this, dude. I, you absolutely should. I think. Okay, I was actually really. I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into here. I just turned it on. It's amazing. Like, it's really good. Like, I'm I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan, and it's it's in that time period. Yeah. And so it's you know obviously it's British. It's the other side. Oh, sorry, the pond, if you will. But <laughs> the nice. first song is really long and it's all instrumental. But I'll tell you, the rest of the album was great. Like it was actually really good. I don't know if it has much to do with robots, but <laughs> I guess it's more about the like the choices that the robots have to make and the how it's struggling making those choices. But it's it's really good. And the, the album art, which I'm going to post on the, I'm going to make this part of the Instagram post, but it's like one of the coolest album arts too. It's really fun. And the the last at. song in the album is called Genesis chapter one, verse 32. Man, yep. now I'm going to have to read my Bible to figure out what, the, what verse that is. And why the other songs aren't one uh, through 31. <laughs> well, uh, I actually am on, I'm on the good old, good old, Wikipedia, which is always always right, as we know, but it says it implies a continuation to the story of creation because the first chapter of Genesis only has thirty one. Oh, ooh, Ow. that's good. I'm gonna listen to this. Yeah, it's been re. I mean, it's apparently. Ha- I mean, people seem to have liked it. It's been released on vinyl. It's been re released. I mean, it's just really good. Like I did not know it existed, but it's so fun. So I highly recommend that. But yeah, I know I know we kind of went long. I wasn't expecting to go this long, but it's a great it's a great universe, and I'm really great glad that we got to kind of talk about the majority of it uh, today. Here's another little fun fact: uh, when Isaac Please. Asimov was writing these stories, uh, he was highly influenced by another author, which I cannot remember his name, but. His books were called iRobot, spelled with a comma. Uh, and when Asimov sent his stories to his publisher, his publisher published it under iRobot, and Asimov didn't want that um, because he didn't want to overshadow um, his inspirations. His inspiration. Uh, but he was still glad that he was able to still give... Um, credit to uh the inspiration which i cannot remember the name of but with a lot of research you can find it by searching irobot we love it that's great well guys this has been an awesome episode of spencer and tim tackle uh, i really appreciate it if you guys are still here for listen to that i hope you if you haven't seen irobot that you'll give it a try uh the robot i mean the robot the album is also great so there's a lot of cool stuff to check out i don't know what streaming service it's on we both watched the dvd i went to the good old library kids you can watch it on it peacock it is on peacock with, that was what i noticed but i didn't try it yeah and, and i think with movies don't be alarmed because i think on streaming with ads usually especially on hulu it's just ads at the beginning and then you don't have to there's like not they don't have commercial breaks. It's not like TV. So you might want to give Peacock a try just because of that. But yeah, it's awesome stuff. Next week, 
I'm psyched, dude. We're talking about Shang-Chi. Yeah. So we got Marvel Monthly coming next week. Shang-Chi, probably more what if. We'll see if we get around to it. We might just have to do the rest on October. And and then the next Spencer and Tim tackle is a surprise. Check out the Instagram at Fandom Done Right if you want to try and figure it out. I will not give any more hints, but I will say yes if you send in guesses. I don't know what I also don't know what the hint's gonna be, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I hope you guys have a great weekend. See ya.